Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the episode for this week of the Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And this week we will once again be bringing you some headlines and interesting news items from Japan and giving everyone our take on how we feel about them as people living here. But first, we'll see what Ferg has been up to for the past week. Yes, sir. So in the past week, I climbed a mountain, just a small local mountain. Wow, you really are a mountain man. Well, got to get out there sometimes. Haven't been out as much as I would like to, but did Mm. manage to get out, like I said, to climb this small local one recently. Yeah. But as I said, it was a small local one. Didn't see a single other person on the trail, so no oh, risk wow. of of COVID nineteen. Still quite responsible, I think. Although, as we'll discuss, yeah. you know, there's. I think people are generally settling back into a more normal way of life. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about this climbing this mountain was uh, there was lots of mushrooms. Did on you it eat them? Because it's... Oh, yeah, I was grabbing them, trying them, you know. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. But, no, it's, you know, it's because it's autumn, right? There's lots of mushrooms that, that sort of are ready around this time of year. And it's quite popular to go and pick them here in Nagano Prefecture, especially among older Uh-oh. folk. They actually call it kinkatsu. Have you heard of this term before? No. I'm not sure if it's kinkatsu from like the key from kinoko, which means, you know, obviously for listeners, mushrooms in Japanese, yeah. but, or if it's kin from like, uh, kin like, um, like bacteria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently I've heard that eating mushrooms can sort of promote healthy gut bacteria. Huh. Can also, yeah, you know, you can have, it also contains good vitamin B, which may help you lose weight. And glutamines, glutamines, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but which apparently contribute to your immune system. But it seems that kinkatsu is all the rage here in Nagano. But yeah, but you can just... also die. Well, that is a potential risk, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so. And yeah, no pain, no gain, man. No pain, no gain. What yeah, about I, you? I, how... I saw hmm. a. Uh, yeah, but mm. just before I talk about my week, um, I, I saw this yeah. thing on TV uh, a while back. But apparently there are people out there, like this is like a thing, where um, they'll eat poisonous mushrooms. Really? Yeah, what? like I'm, I'm not enough to kill them, but mm. they'll they'll eat them because apparently they, some of them taste pretty good, I guess. R- really? But is it... Is uh, is it like a kind of drug type thing? Are they getting like a psychedelic experience from it, or is it like uh, a maybe? Uh, I don't know. They, they don't. Well, it was on Japanese TV, so they wouldn't mention that, even if that was a yeah. thing. But uh, the the program made it seem like mm. they were just doing it because of the flavor. Oh, really? But or it could be like, you know, there's the thing. If you have a small amount of poison, you can become immune to it. Like, is, like is, it, is that true? I think so, with certain types. Like, who mm. was it? Was it Hemlock, some Greek philosopher or something? Oh, someone? yeah, 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 yeah. 
listeners are probably screaming at their earphones now. But <laughs> and I, I'm sure I've heard as well about um, snake experts mm. sort of injecting themselves with very small amounts of venom mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. time to become to develop immunity. I yeah. don't think it's possible for more. What? How would you say it? Like industrial poisons, I guess, like arsenic and cyanide and things like that. I don't think it's possible for that, but right, right, right. I think it might be possible for some more natural poisons. Hmm. Yeah, we should maybe. try it, eh? Are you up for that? Going and eating some poisonous mushrooms? Yeah, I'll, I'll get those. Get those tasty YouTube views. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put it up on TikTok. Yes, sir. I mean, we might die, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, yeah. At least we'll be internet famous. Yeah, that's true. Eh? Uh, but yeah, so my week, um, hmm. not not a whole lot. I, I I went to look at some more houses. Oh, that's good. Um, and I'm I've, I don't know, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think with um. Oh, have you? Yeah, the level of construction of, of modern homes in hmm. Japan. I mean, it's, they've definitely come a long way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you know, like we discussed on here before, the the point still stands that it's pretty much um, like you. It's not an investment, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Pretty much like once you buy it, it's worthless. So that definitely puts a damper on uh, my enthusiasm, you know. Yeah, you got to have a different mindset, haven't you, to buying a property in the in the West? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, this sucks. Because <laughs> like you're not you're not building wealth w- when you buy a home. It's a uh, it's like a disposable, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to look at it in terms of something that you'll get years of enjoyment out of. I think rather than something. That yeah, you'll, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you I know, mean, you as an look asset, at it like um, more akin to buying a car. Yeah, you know? exactly. Although yeah. even with a car, you can you know sell it for something, but. Um, mm. Yeah, I, th- I think the mindset is similar, though. That's how I've been trying to think about it. It's like, yeah, you know, because some people like to buy brand new cars, which mm. you know financially is a terrible decision. Yeah, because yeah. it's only it's only going to depreciate. But but you know, people that enjoy like new cars, you know, they've like the the cost is worth it because they get the enjoyment of a new car out of it. So mm. that you know that pays for itself in a way. So yeah, that's just uh, yeah, that's how I'm approaching it. So yeah, we'll see what how that yeah. uh, goes down. Yeah, sounds good. So but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, pretty uneventful. Well, house hunting that's uh, can be pretty exciting, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to just think about. Oh, you know, I'm gonna have uh, this this kind of room and yeah have uh you know this like this color walls and that kind of thing that's yeah, fun just quickly before we move on to our stories for this week because it's quite an interesting topic in when you know looking at japanese homes or i think something yeah. that splits new home buyers will you have um like one or more japanese tatami mat rooms i will have zero will you, will you have zero yeah, because those rooms are a goddamn waste of space, man. Do you think? Yeah, it's, it's a total waste. It's quite comfy, though, to be able to just, you know, have, like, your bare feet on 
tatami and things and roll around on them and things, right? Yeah, but then every couple of years you got to like replace them. Yeah, yeah, or at least flip them over. And you got to keep on, you got to kind of keep on killing the bugs in them as well, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like what, like what kind of the third world experience is that? You know, you got (laughs) bugs in your floor. It's ridiculous. It's 2020, dog. Yeah. So zero tatami mats for you. Zero. Oh. Yeah, none of that. Because um, just for listeners that aren't aware, yeah, it is quite common, isn't it, for like when people buy homes here to have like one or more rooms that have tatami mat floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rather common. I, yeah. I would almost say it's mm. it, it, it's very rare to see a home without one. Yeah, yeah. Certainly of like a certain size. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a condominium or something that doesn't have enough floor space, often that's the first one that gets uh, yeah, omitted, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but I think even mm. a, like a smaller size condo that, you know, like each room might be kind of small, but if it has, you know, two bedrooms, then maybe one of them will be a tatami room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, none of that. <laughs> oh, well, that no, will sir. be good, eh? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, shall we move on to our stories for this week then? Okay, yeah, I guess we'll start out with the uh, the news the news roundup. Yes, sir. So, um, before we started talk, uh, sorry, before we started recording, you were talking about uh, a, a quite a big story that's been in the news this week, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty big this past week. Um, so we we mentioned this. Last year, I think it was uh, about a year and a half ago on this podcast as well. But um, just as a recap, uh, Mr. Kozo Izuka, who uh, at the time was, I believe, 88 years old, um, who's a former higher up in, in the government, basically. Um, he's, you know, he's one of the elites, using air quotes there. And he was involved in a traffic incident in Tokyo, where um, he was driving his car with his uh, his wife uh, sitting shotgun, <clears throat> and he like basically ran a bunch of red lights because uh, you know, allegedly, you know, well, he claims the car like there was something wrong with the car and he couldn't stop, but all the evidence points to he was just old and he thought he was slamming the brakes, but he was actually slamming the gas. And he injured a bunch of people, and he killed two people: a a, uh, a woman and her daughter were uh, trying to cross the street, and he just mowed them down. And um, so he was—I think at first he wasn't even indicted because, I mean, you know, make what you want of it, but um, the the perception is that was because he was, you know, one of the social elites. So he was kind of untouchable is the perception in the public. Um, But the father was, um, he kind of started a movement and he got a bunch of signatures, I think close to 400,000 signatures. And he, you know, submitted that to the, the prosecutors and eventually they, uh, they indicted him for, um, I guess negligence in driving and maybe like involuntary manslaughter, maybe like that, that kind of those kinds of charges. Yeah. 
and uh, just recently, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, his trial began. I think it was yesterday, yeah, uh, on Monday. And he pleaded not guilty, claiming that it was the car's fault. But um, all of the information that's publicly available that uh, the authorities have released suggests that this is not the case. Um, the, the car was fine. And he thought he was hitting the brakes. But he wasn't. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what the... Is this a jury trial? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. Is it the one where they have like the, you know, like the combination of like professional sort of legal experts and It could jurors? be, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it might not be a jury trial. But um, it, it doesn't mention it. Like, I, I feel like if it was, it would be mentioned in the article. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned before we started recording and... You know, as you said, then all the evidence, at least that's been released, points to uh, it being his fault. And if that is the case, then I just think he's a total scumbag for sort of, you know, injuring people and take, particularly taking the lives of the woman and her daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not sort of taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Although... although I think another factor too is uh, he probably like genuinely believes that he mm. was hitting the brakes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that kind of makes it hard. I mean, especially now because it's been over a year and a half, and you know, he's I'm sure he's convinced. Even if maybe he wasn't even convinced at the time, but by now, he's certainly convinced himself that he was hitting the brakes. Yeah, that is a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I like I would say perhaps there's something about the state of mind of someone who mm -hmm. can convince themselves that they were in the right despite all the evidence, you know, pointing towards them being wrong. Is it, you know, I would like to think that if I was in that situation, I would, you know, even despite what I thought, if it was looked at by these experts and they came up with that conclusion, that I would accept that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, maybe it's uh -huh. unfair, but I think a lot of that is connected to the perception in the media and in the comments in, in general that we see online that because of his elite status, that's sort of driven that mindset of his. Mm -hmm. You know, again, yeah, maybe I that's... I feel like there is some truth mm, to that. Mm, yeah. Because I'm sure for... Because he's, what, he's almost 90, and he probably started... I mean, he's been on the elite track, right? I mean, ever since he, because he went to Tokyo University, which, I mean, that alone, you know, you're pretty much, uh, you know, the the doors are open, the gates are open for you if you get into Tokyo U. So, yes, for sir. the past, uh, you know, seventy years, right? He's been, uh, yeah. People have, he, like, he's always been right, you know, for seventy years. So, I mean, he can't stop now. Yes, yes, certainly. Yeah. Quite a sad um, case, but it'll be interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think this is one of those, I think it's a rarity in the Japanese media, but uh, I think we'll be kept up to date on how the trial is progressing. 
Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah, because people are, are, I think they're genuinely interested um, in the outcome of this one. And and also, mm. I think another reason why um, he's pled not guilty is I think he might be banking on the fact that even if he's convicted, he won't have to serve any time. Because yeah. of his his uh his age and his poor health. So yeah, I think that's also another factor. Because uh, I don't, like worst case, um, you know he gets convicted, he gets uh, convicted. But you know if you're not going to serve any time anyway, then you know might as well give it a shot. Yeah, suspended sentences are quite common here in Japan, aren't they? Mm-hmm, For mm-hmm. sort of non-violent crimes and things like that. First-time yeah. offences. So, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe his lawyers are... Uh, maybe they're actually pretty smart. They're just like, fuck it. Not guilty. Yeah. Worst case. Like, best case, you don't... You know, there's no- nothing on your record, even though for someone his age, I don't really think it matters too much. But I guess, you know, his legacy won't be tainted, right? Mm. And uh, worst case, you get convicted, but you're not going to do any time anyways. So who cares? Let's go for it. Yep. Sadly, eh? Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like to me anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Well, in another story, the government has pushed back the deadline for cities to submit their bids to host integrated resorts which are a kind of resort that includes you know shopping facilities accommodation and most notably and the reason why this is interesting casinos which have not previously been legal in japan but the government has pushed back the deadline for cities to submit their bids to host integrated resorts from July 2021 to April 2022. It's quite a long delay, about nine months. Mm-hmm. And they will license uh, three integrated resorts, so basically three casinos in Japan, you know, supposed to boost tourism and revive the flagging economy. However, of course, the impact of coronavirus has meant that tourism has rapidly decreased and as a result so the government says they are pushing back this deadline so they say so they say the interesting thing here though as we were discussing is that you know this was a deadline for cities to submit their host their bids to to build you know integrated resorts in their cities by that date so the earliest it would have been would be july 2021 and then after that you know it's going to take years to build them so Mm -hmm. you know presumably the coronavirus situation would have improved by then we hope so it seems like perhaps there might be other factors at play and one of and notably in the news over the past few months there's been this kind of trickle of stories related to bribery and corruption in this, the whole sort of integrated resort project. I mean, who would have yeah. thought, eh? Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Surely not. A kind of big pork barrel political project, and turns out there's bribery and corruption. But yeah. Two advisors to 
this Chinese company that wanted to build casinos in Japan. The advisors were Japanese, uh, Masahiko Kono and Katsunori Nakazato, they were called, were found guilty of bribing a politician, Tsukasa Akimoto, who was a politician in the ruling LDP party and was kind of basically in charge of the LDP's, this, you know, the whole integrated resort kind of project. Yeah, yeah. They both got prison sentences. Although, apparently, according to reports, the bribes that they paid did not affect the outcome of the project. However, that oh, wasn't... Okay. <laughs> that wasn't the end of the story because we have also seen that Akimoto, this politician, was uh, arrested himself mm-hmm. on charges of offering money to Kono and Nakazato. So basically trying to bribe them back to give false testimony in court. Wow, so they're bribing each other? <laughs> bribing each other. <laughs> they bribed him and then he bribes them back. So the like the, the, the net bribing. result is like you, you gain, neither party gains anything? Well, they gained a nice stay at uh, the pleasure yeah. of the Japanese government in, in the Japanese government's facilities. Some nice uh, work experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, this whole casino integrated resort thing has been a huge mess. Oh, yeah. It seems it's like just, kind just of. A one big shit show. One big shit show conducted in the usual fashion that we've come to expect for these big, these kind of big projects. Will, yeah. you, will you be visiting the casinos once or if they are ever completed? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I'll go check it out. But Yeah. Um, in in my opinion, I think I think this is all a big mistake. Do you think? How come? Well, I think the the idea of having casinos in Japan is is a good idea. Um, for you know all the tax revenues, and I think the benefits outweigh the the downsides. But I think the the mistake they're making is because they're going to have one casino in you know, whatever the three cities are that get the project. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to be really far apart, right? And you'll probably the three have like, casinos. Yeah, I mean, well, you'll, yeah. you'll have one in the Tokyo area probably and then one in the Osaka area and then one, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know, for me, you know, I, like I've, I've, you know, been to Vegas or um, like Macau um, those kinds of places. Like part of the fun is like going to the different ones. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, like in Vegas, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, this, this, uh, like the Bellagio has a great buffet. So, you know, I'm going to eat there and then I'm going to go see the show at Caesars. And then I don't know, like they have my favorite slot machine at the Venetian. So I'm going to go there or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, like I think that's a huge part of the experience is like, you know, checking out the different ones. Um, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, with uh, with the way they're going to do it in Japan, it's like you're not going to be able to do that. You know, like you're you're stuck with what you got. And, yeah, and um, and I'm sure it'll be fine, but I don't know. It's um. Like I, I feel like it's going to be a, a huge missed opportunity. Do you think they'll take off and be sort of fun, exciting places? Or do you think there'll be these kind of 
you know, places that kind of never really hit their potential that are a bit of a drag, you know, people don't really go to. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's, uh, mm. like, I, I could really see it going either way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it'll, um, like, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's really going to be one or the other, you know? It's like, it's going to be, like, cool and popping, like, there's going to be hella people, mm. or it's just going to be, you know, a bunch of people that, should not be gambling gambling yeah i mean my worry is that like the thing is if you go to and i don't know because i've never actually been to a casino like in vegas or macau but Mm -hmm. my impression is that if you go you have the like the feeling even if you know it's unlikely in your heart or in your head that but you have the feeling that you, you know you could win that you could win money, that you could come out on top. Yeah, yeah, of course. Makes it exciting. But perhaps I'm just too cynical, but the way business seems to be done in Japan is everyone has to take their slice. And I kind of worry that by the time everyone takes their slice, you know, you pay your entrance fees or whatever, that the chance of you coming out on top is going to seem smaller than it would in other places. That you know you because you're gonna have to recover like the other costs like entry costs and things. Yeah, and it's gonna discourage people from. Um, I don't know. I don't think mm. that is gonna be that much of a deterrent because um, in in Vegas there's no entry fee, but in Macau there is. Oh, is there? Yeah, I, mm. I think there's. A, oh no, there's no fee, but you just have to show ID. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's no fee. Yeah, so hmm, I don't know. Yeah, that might be a. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the fees that are being talked about are not that expensive. So, yeah, in the range like, of like, it, you know, it mm. could be a, a good thing, mm. the fees, because it will keep, you know, those those people that you know, like like you know, the kind of people that sit at the penny slots. Yeah, <laughs> that you know the people that should not be gambling that you see sometimes, um, like in, in Vegas. Um, it'll keep those people away. I think. Which is you yeah. know, good, good for them, um, so they don't ruin their lives. Yeah, yeah, but they can do that anyway at Pachinko. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and may, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a big part of it. You know, they're trying to, you know, kind of differentiate between the Pachinko crowd and the and the casino crowd, trying to keep mm. more a little bit more upscale. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling in Japan is interesting. If ever there is a related news story, we can certainly talk about it on this podcast. But, you know, they do have like horse racing and uh, speedboat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. racing as well. And uh, like bike racing, yeah. which is all kind of government sanctioned gambling. But it's not super popular, is it? Like you occasionally hear of someone who's interested in betting on horses, but it's not like I'd say it's quite a minor sort of interest. Yeah, and there is a kind of a yeah, like I don't know, I don't know how other, I don't know, like a nice way to put it, but like it has kind of a scumbag connotation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you know, the maybe maybe horse racing not as much because I mean it's kind of the perception is like it's kind of for you know rich people and their horses, right? Mm. I mean, I mean that's kind of part of that experience. Um, but especially like the the boat racing and that kind of thing, it's like it's super <laughs> like gambling addicts. 
Yeah, yeah, know, exactly. Right. The, yeah. How people view that. Mm. Right, and just finally, in our sort of roundup of major stories, the coronavirus numbers. I mean, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks, there haven't, haven't been that many new stories about coronavirus coming out lately, but... Yeah, more of the same. More of the same. There were 278 new cases in the 24 hours leading up to 9.30 a.m. on the 12th of October, bringing the total to 89,885 people. I think we have actually crossed the 90,000 mark now mm. as, as we're recording, but those, those figures from yesterday was uh, you know as i just said there were also four deaths bringing the total to 1634 the number is quite low but as we've discussed many times it does tend to be lower on a monday just because you know the health centers and things are closed and people are getting less uh, yeah. tests done you know perhaps reflecting that there were 78 infections in tokyo which was below 100 for the first time in a week but you know again that's not particularly surprising if we assume that the last time it was below 100 was also on a monday <laughs> yeah just uh one interesting thing there so there has been a kind of a, quite a significant decrease in the number of people dying in japan over the past year it seems compared with the previous year so just dying in general yeah exactly dying mm. in general so as of july 2020 like the half year figures have just come out and there were eighteen thousand fewer deaths than in the previous year the number of deaths in japan has tended to increase each year as the population has aged but this year there were less and is it because everyone's you know, staying home and wearing masks exactly right exactly mm. so part of this is said to be that the number of people suffering from respiratory illnesses you know particularly like the flu influenza um has decreased significantly as a result of like measures against coronavirus mm -hmm. and that has kind of related to that. There's been a significant fall in cold medicine sales, apparently, oh. because more, yeah, more people are kind of washing their hands, gargling, which yeah. <laughs> we talked about before, hopefully with their iodine solutions, eh? Oh, dear um, Lord. And also restricting their outings as well. Mm. So, you know, from around April onward, sales of general cold medicine have decreased by, you know, around 30 to 40% year on year which is pretty significant wow yeah the other uh the other side of why there's been less deaths it's theorized is that because people are going out much less you know there's less deaths for example from traffic accidents mm, and other mm. types of accident so you know that's kind of one silver lining to the big cloud of yeah. coronavirus so what, I guess so. It's um, yeah. I hate to say this, but it's been a net positive in a, in a weird way. A net positive for Japan in terms of, you know, people living slightly longer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the the economy and stuff has suffered, and people's lives have suffered. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. yeah, certainly. Yeah. Purely in terms of the death numbers, it's been a net positive for Japan. Oh wow. Yeah. Fancy that, eh? Hey? 
Yeah. It is interesting because one, I was wondering when the, you know, obviously when coronavirus first started um, exploding, first started, you know, really spreading rapidly. Yeah. I wondered myself whether the, whether there were cases in Japan that were being put down to, you know, people dying of things like influenza, for example, and uh-huh. it wasn't being counted in the coronavirus numbers or pneumonia, sorry particularly pneumonia and it wasn't being put down to coronavirus but um but it would turn out that there'd be like an elevated death rate that would be where they you know kind of concealing that the impact of coronavirus but it seems like that was not the case yeah imagine that imagine that eh right well shall we move on to our main stories for this week all righty. Um, let's see what we got here. All right. Well, I'll uh, go ahead with mine then. So this past week, uh, starting on Sunday, some uh, Chinese Coast Guard ships uh, invaded Japanese territorial waters around the Senkaku Islands, or as they call oh, them no. in China, the uh, the Diaoyu islands and they're going to set a a new record for oh no they already have set a new record i'm sorry for the length of time they've been just hanging out over by the islands in what japan claims to be its territorial waters um they've been there since sunday morning and i think they might still be there but yeah for so for a couple days now they've just been hanging out and uh, obviously Japan is not happy with this and I'm sure they'll have a they'll send an angry letter to the uh president Xi and I'm sure he'll he'll go straight to the shredder um but yeah this th- these islands man I, this this happens all the time um and if, for people that aren't familiar so there's this island I guess it's a, it's a set of a, a handful of islands. Yeah. There's like yeah. two or three islands over there. And it's more or less halfway between Japan and China. And um, China says it's theirs. Japan says it's theirs. And there's uh, really no resolution in sight. Um, and, and it always comes up. And it's always a point of tension for relations between the two countries. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's a, you also might've heard about, there's a, there's a similar Island between Korea and Japan, South Korea and Japan, um, called, uh, Takeshima or, uh, Dokdo as they call it over there. And that's a similar thing where, um, it's kind of halfway and no one really agrees on who owns it. And then up North, there's a, another similar situation with the, uh, the Northern territories, I guess they're called between Russia and Japan, and no one really agrees with uh, with that one either. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My my I position mean, is I think we just blow them up, <laughs> get rid of them, get rid of them, revert them to international waters. Yeah, then we'll like we will not have this problem anymore. You know, it'll be be a done deal. 
Well, although it seems like China has been building these interna- uh, these sort of artificial islands in the South China Sea. Oh, right yeah, they have been doing that. Vietnam yeah. and places like that. So, Like, are they just, for those, I'm not uh, super familiar with it, but are they just straight up building new islands? Or are they, I mean, is there like at least a rock there that they're, you know, they're expanding existing islands? Oh, I couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? To be honest in that kind of level of whether or not there was originally something there that they're building on or yeah because it would be nuts if it was there was just totally nothing there like at all yeah because then you could you could expand your territory endlessly right Mm. do you think that the these kind of chinese coast guard kind of hanging around the senkaku islands is that connected to the Mike Pompeo's like, because he visited Japan recently, right, for these quad meetings. Oh, between, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The US, India, and Australia. And they, there was some kind of tough rhetoric then about China. Yeah. I wonder if it's connected um, to that. Yeah. That's probably got some, some role in this whole thing. Mm. And al- although, granted, they um, they do this rather frequently, the Chinese Coast Guard. Yeah. It's just uh, notable this time because it's the, you know, they set a new record for the longest time. Like usually they'll, they'll, they'll pop in, you know, hang out for a couple hours just to, just to say hello and then, uh, and then go home. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they've been there for a long time this time around. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is a coast guard, so it's kind of like a state institution, I guess. I don't know about the funding of the coast guard in China. But do you yeah. think they are like specifically kind of receiving instructions from higher ups in the Chinese government saying, hey, go over there and, and hang out? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, think- I doubt. Uh, I doubt they're doing it. Uh, like, I doubt it's just the captain saying, hey, let's, let's, go, uh, let's go pop in real quick. I mean, I doubt it's that. I mean, they're, like, some, someone up the chain of command is telling them to, to do it. Yeah. yeah. What do you think the end game is? I don't. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I think mm. the the end game is to to get it back, right? From their yeah. point of view. But they're obviously not going to get it back from having coast guard ships hang around there. But do you think the idea is to keep their kind of territorial claim alive? Yeah, I think that's. I think then, more than anything, it's just um, yeah, keeping it keeping it fresh. You know, like not like demonstrating to the Japanese that they are not going to be complacent in in this whole matter yeah, yeah yeah and then at some future time when it's more um you know when they can make a more de- decisive move then they might actually move towards occupying the islands yeah yeah there's nothing stopping them I mean, there's nothing out there it's just I mean, a couple w- of rocks it would be scary as hell wouldn't it if there was if something like that happened yeah, it would be. That could be the start of World War Three, couldn't it? Ooh. Time, time to, you know, if I'm going to be building the house, I should probably build a bomb shelter. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep you, we'll keep you all updated on this, but, uh, nothing, <laughs> it's likely that nothing's really going to happen. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it does kind of crop up from time to time. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's like a, it's just a cyclical thing. Like some, yeah. For whatever reason, yeah, maybe it was the the Pompeo trip. You know, they'll they'll kind of piss them off, so they'll come and hang out for a little bit longer than usual, just to just to ruffle some feathers, and then the cycle repeats. Yes, sir. Yeah. Do you just quickly before we move on, like in the sort of people around you, you know, like your Japanese friends and, and people like that, have any of them like expressed any opinions either way about these kind of territorial issues? I no, I, I think just, to, mm. yeah, like generally like people in the public, like they, they don't care. Yeah. That's my impression. Yeah. Too. Because yeah, I mean, they're pretty much of the view that, well, you know, it's a bunch of rocks out in the middle of nowhere and I, I it just does not concern me, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and as like we were discussing before we started recording, um, like you know, it's not about the island itself, right? I mean, it's about the the fishing resources that you know surround the island. Um, and you know, if there's ever any, I don't know, if they ever discover oil or if um you know, some other resource, like they find some expensive minerals on the ocean floor out there or whatever the case may be. I mean, that that's why these countries are so adamant about their, their territorial waters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, does the UK have ha- ever had this kind of problem, like historically with, because oh. you know, there's a bunch of islands out there. Many, many times. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, of course. Well, the UK... Um, and notoriously had its empire for many years, and when that broke up, it oh, caused yeah, a huge yeah. number of territorial issues. The most famous one in recent years is probably the Falkland Islands, where yeah, you know, Argentina tried to kind of claim them back in the 1980s, and uh-huh. you know the the British kind of defended them from ah, from I the think, yeah, I think I learned about that in high school. And the, and the people, yeah, the people who lived on the island all kind of voted to stay part of Britain, which, I mean, mm-hmm. is kind of not surprising because as far as I know, at least, they're kind of descendants of British expats. Oh, okay, okay. As far as in, in the mm-hmm. area immediately surrounding the, 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 the British Isles, is there ever any problems with like like France or, you know, like back in the day or anything? Yeah, that is a very good question. I'm not sure, to be honest. I would have to look into that, but I'm sure there have been probably, I would imagine, if not with France, perhaps in the north, in Scotland, mm. with, you know, places like uh, Norway and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some. There may have been some incidents, but as I say, I can't, I can't tell you offhand. Yeah, I wonder how these get resolved, you know? Yeah, eventually signing some kind of peace treaty for uh, yeah, I guess yeah significant but, concessions on uh, on one side. Yeah, but I mean it's uh it's just tough because like neither side has anything to gain really by by not or by um how, what am I trying to say? Like if you let the other guy have it, you have nothing to gain from that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is as well that makes these kind of situations difficult. And we were talking about the pod about this uh, before we started recording. Like my personal view is, you know, historically, it 
those islands, the Senkak Island, should probably belong to Taiwan. But mm-hmm. and then you know, of course, but then of course, like the Chinese side will say that you know, well, Taiwan is part of China. You know, so it's a huge, it's a huge mess. But yeah. but in general, with these kind of situations, I think part of the problem is that like the all the contract, um, the agreements and things that were signed after wars and things, and you know, when countries invaded other countries and you know when the borders of countries changed it it all became so messed up over time each side can point to historical examples and say well if you look at this point in time and start here then it should be ours or if you look at this particular agreement then it should be ours and yeah basically any country can any of the countries involved the players say for the senkak islands it's china taiwan japan any of those players can make a legitimate argument that it right, should be theirs, right, right. you know which makes it so difficult to solve based on like legal or contractual grounds you know without obviously if there's military in- intervention then it gets solved but that's a different different kettle of fish yeah 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 so yeah that that's a thing we'll uh we'll keep you updated but it's probably not gonna be anything interesting yeah from here on out yeah more of the same who knows? Would you say it's likely to be resolved in our lifetime? Eh, that's, I don't know. That's a tough one, man. Yeah. I would say at best it's a 50-50 shot with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I th- I think the probably the, the one that's, like, I mean, relatively speaking, so out of the three that we that we mentioned, right, the... The one with China, the one with uh, South Korea, and the one with Russia. I think the one that has is the most likely to be resolved uh, in in any form is probably the one with Russia. It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, because that's the one where, like, there, I mean, there's never any re- real progress made. Um, but that's the one you hear about most frequently in the news, where it looks like they're at least making some effort to have some type of ongoing discussion to you know get it resolved yeah certainly yeah. the other thing about the russian one is compared with the chinese ones and the korean ones there's not as much like sort of bad blood tensions don't run as high on yeah. either side mm-hmm. exactly yeah although isn't it isn't japan still like technically at war with russia yeah or something I like that? so yeah yeah yeah, there was never yeah. uh, there was never a proper a peace, peace treaty. treaty. Yeah, mm, exactly. So yeah, well, maybe in our lifetime we'll uh, we'll see some progress. Yes, sir. We can yeah. only hope, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, now let's turn from these kind of international territorial issues to something a little bit more on a kind of smaller scale. Mm-hmm. A publisher of puzzle magazines here in Japan has been very naughty Uh-oh. and has been <laughs> failing to send out prizes to contest winners. So Shinyusha, oh. the publisher of many different puzzle magazines, in addition to, you know, other general interest magazines, yeah, didn't bother sending out prizes. But is it just, uh, so- sorry mm. to interrupt, like puzzle magazine? What, is that like, like Sudoku stuff, like that kind of thing or... Good question. So there's a bunch of different kinds of um, puzzles. And yes, Sudoku would be one of them. And also, 
like general kind of spot the difference puzzles, oh, for okay. example, all kinds of quizzes and things and yeah. general kind of like, you know, there's those kanji puzzles as well. Oh, okay. 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 So all, all kinds of puzzles, basically we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And they didn't bother sending out prizes to at least 3,600 wow. contest winners since 2016, according to the articles I've read. It's unclear exactly how many the number is because it covered like a number of different magazines, different campaigns, different types yeah. of puzzle and things. I mean, basically, these would be sweepstakes where readers were asked to send in postcards with the answers to the, the puzzles and things and would right, win right. prizes. You know, things like TVs, game consoles. Wow, so it was actually like... Gift coupons. Mm. You know, desirable stuff. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't like a t-shirt or anything. It was... Oh, yeah, I believe so. I mean, some mm, of it, okay, I'm sure, okay. was t-shirts and things, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a lot of it was decent stuff that you definitely want. Apparently, the company is now in the process of arranging the prizes, kind of getting them together and sending them out. You know, doesn't help that it's probably already broken the law yeah. on, you know, misleading representations, obviously. And it's and it's going to take them a while, probably. According to the articles I read, it would they're expecting to take around three to six months after selecting the winners to send out the prizes. So although they have started that process, according to their, um, you know, their uh, release on their website, which also obviously contains a big apology. Yeah, they you know they have started sending out prizes. However, so I, wonder if, I wonder if it was hmm. a matter of you know did they already have all the prizes ready to go and had they already selected the winners, they just never followed through or were they just like, did they not even have any prizes and they just threw all the postcards in the trash? Well, I think it's pretty unclear at this point what exactly went on in, yeah. inside the company. According to their release, they described it as a difference of opinion between the editorial department and a contractor who is contracted for, you know, shipping out these prizes. What difference of opinion? What? <laughs> a difference of opinion concerning the range of shipping work covered. Okay, so oh, all right. So their their excuse is that pretty much they outsourced the prize sending, and the outsourcee didn't do what they were paid to do. Is that in a nutshell? Well, or? I mean that's more or less what they're what they're saying it seems, or perhaps it, you know, the contract or whatever or communication was worded in such a way that they thought they were asking them to send out these prizes and the contractor didn't realize that's what they were being asked to send out. It does no, say okay. in the in the apology notice on their on their website that the editorial department was so busy with their editorial work that they did not have time to to check this. Uh huh. They conducted an internal compliance investigation this summer, and as a result, this problem came to light. But you did mention were they throwing the postcards in the trash? Yeah. And according to a source quoted in an article on the Mainichi newspaper, Shinusha pr 
probably did throw away the postcards before choosing the winners. So how are they <laughs> going to choose the winners? <laughs> well, exactly, right? If that's the case, then who knows what they're going to do. I mean, that has not been explained. So if uh-huh. that is correct, you know, as I said, it was this, this source quoted in the article. It was an an- anonymous source, apparently someone close to the process. Yeah. But yeah, if that is true, they can't, like, obviously they're going to struggle to send out the prizes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough if uh, you don't know who to send it to. Yeah. Although it's it's fine, Kenzo, because they... The company said they will now create a new shipping department and uh, move all shipping in-house. So it's obviously going to be solved from here on. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) Um, I mean, this has happened in the past. There was another company, Aya Corp, that was doing a similar kind of thing. They said they would award prizes to 12 to more than 12,000 people, but they ended up only giving out prizes to around half that number. And as a result, oh, they, they actually received... did give out some. They did gi- They did give out some in that case. So in that case, they probably weren't just throwing them all in the trash, the postcards yeah. that arrived. Um, in that case, they received an administrative order from the Consumer Affairs Agency in December 2015, which mm. to me sounds like a slap on the wrist. You know, hey... <laughs> you naughty yeah. company, you didn't send out all your prices. Yeah, it's like, hey, don't do this. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. But it did. This isn't exactly news or current affairs related, I suppose, but because I was reading about this kind of culture of prize giving from magazines, because there is a bit of a, a culture connected with it. Mm-hmm. That, um. Do you know the story of the Japanese comedian Nasubi? Oh, uh, yeah, AKA yeah, yeah. Tomaki Hamatsu, who in January... I, I, I was watching 19- that. You were watching that, really? Yeah, on t- it was on TV, right? Yeah, in 1998, yeah. or starting in 1998, he, <laughs> he was locked without any possessions, unclothed, in a one-room apartment, and forced to live only on prizes that he could win from magazines. Yeah, and, the... and and he was provided with unlimited postcards. I think from the yeah from the from the television program. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, he yeah he had to survive only by winning prizes. <laughs> exactly, it's crazy to imagine that this happened. But so he, his target was to hit one million yen, about ten thousand U.S. dollars worth of prizes. And he did eventually mm-hmm. manage it after about one year and three months. This was for the Susanoo Dempa Shonen TV show. Yeah. Um, the reason I sort of noticed this actually was because he has been in the news recently. He was interviewed on TV and he was giving out advice uh, about, you know, people suffering from coronavirus based yeah. on his experience of having been locked in this little apartment, trying only to win prizes back in 1998. But... As a result of winning this, he did actually, he got in the Guinness Book of Records for being the longest person ever to survive only on prizes from sweepstakes. <laughs> but it does sound like an absolutely terrible experience. I have not watched the, the, watched it myself, but he was, you know, he talked on this interview about his top three hardest things from that experience. Mm-hmm. And number one, he said, oh, well, before, okay, before we go, we 
start. Do you have would if you had to guess, what would you say would be the hardest? Um, I I would imagine you'd be pretty damn lonely. Yeah, that was number one. He was lonely because okay. he couldn't. Apparently, they made it such that he couldn't even talk to staff on the program. Wow, so, I didn't know they went that far. Yeah, it sounds like he went a little bit mad. He started talking to a stuffed animal on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he never even got any clothing he could wear. He did event. <laughs> Eventually, he won a TV, although he didn't have anywhere to like plug it in and he couldn't do anything with it. But oh. then he won some VCRs and a VCR, and then he was able to watch some videos. Okay. And, uh, and, then, in, and then later, he won a PlayStation. Oh, nice. Yeah. So number two of his hardest things was that he had to write so many postcards. He felt like under constant pressure to keep writing postcards. Well, yeah, because ended up. Yeah, the more you write, the higher your chances, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he even ended up getting tendinitis <laughs> as a result. Oh, from just writing nonstop all day. Exactly. And then number three, you know, obviously he was starving, basically going hungry. He <laughs> yeah. He ended up surviving on dog food for weeks because. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he was basically had no food for like the first while and then he won like a bag of rice and then he finally won some dog food. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah. And then the way they ended it is just totally cruel as well. So at the end, when he eventually hit his target of one million yen, he was blindfolded and taken to a secret location. And, you know, he thought it was going to be a big celebration for yeah. him. Uh, you know, for him finishing this, his, his target. But <laughs> they had actually locked him in like a similar kind of room in South Korea and told him <laughs> he had to uh, win enough prizes to pay for the airfare back to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he did that in a few weeks, actually. He managed to, to do that. Yeah. But then, but then they changed it and they said he had to win enough for a first class ticket. So... Oh, he God. <laughs> he eventually um, did win enough to get, to get a first-class ticket back to Japan. And he went back. And then they blindfolded him and took him to another secret location. And then they took his blindfold off and he was back in another apartment in Japan. So yeah. he thought the whole thing was going to start again. And he took all his clothes off. <laughs> and then the walls of the apartment fell away. Revealing a live yeah. studio audience. Oh my god. Yeah, it sounds like a traumatic experience. Apparently he wasn't able to hold a conversation for a while afterwards. And also, you know, kind of became very sweaty a lot when he was wearing clothes. Because he'd become used to not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's really fucked up. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like that was really like the pinnacle of reality TV. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it could not. That could not happen. It's a cliche to say that couldn't happen now, but I think really in this case, you know, I can't imagine that them forcing a a comedian appearing on reality TV to survive yeah, in dog food for weeks. Yeah, definitely a product of its time. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm yeah. going to go and look it up on YouTube because I'm quite interested to see it. The um, and just very quickly before we wrap up because we're coming up on time. So apparently, just. Interestingly enough, 
this kind of idea of writing into inter- um sorry not internet sweepstakes like sweepstakes in magazines sending off postcards to win c- contests is quite yeah. interesting because there's less and less people applying to them these days with you know less people buying magazines more people just reading online and even if they do enter contests often these days it's online mm-hmm. so apparently it's a little bit of a hidden market you can actually win quite a lot of prizes if you enter these these contests yeah i've i've won some things from those have you what did yeah, you win yeah. uh, the one that comes to mind is there's a like a gaming weekly magazine oh yeah a famitsu is a mm, very famous it's right? yeah it's pretty famous and yeah they have a a thing where you just write in and for a while i just did it because it was once a week you know i figured why not and i i won a game did you yeah oh great a, a ps i think it was back in the ps3 days so it was a ps3 game but yeah that was, that was pretty cool um, did they send it to you yeah they sent it to me yeah oh good stuff um and then another one is i don't know i don't know if you get it in in your post box but it's just like like the the local like it's a free like newspaper kind of thing yeah that they put in your box it just has like local news like you're in for like your city and uh, yeah they have a contest every month and I I send in a postcard, and a couple of months ago I won a free towel. Oh, decent! Yeah, so it was all right. You know, can't complain about that. Yeah, and yeah, also I I, I knew a guy. He uh, he was really into cars, and he he had this favorite like tuner in a car magazine that he would read every month, and he always sent in a postcard for their contest, and I th- like he won pretty frequently like it was it was kind of impressive did he what kind of things did he win like he would win and these were like pretty expensive things too like stuff like like car parts Mm -hmm. like uh i think the best thing he won is like an exhaust system wow decent yeah um yeah but he's i think maybe once every one or two years he would win something from that no, oh, great. Uh, if you if you think about the odds, I mean, it's you know maybe one out of every ten to twenty times you would win. So yeah, yeah. It's um, if you're in Japan and you see an opportunity to send in a postcard and win some, you know, just take a couple minutes out of your day and give it a shot. Your your odds are better than you think. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. One sort of tip I read was if you can you know if it's not like a a kind of postcard that comes with a magazine if you can just choose any postcard Mm -hmm. it's best to choose one that stands out apparently and if you have the opportunity to write some nice quote or something about the product that's featured because often like they will actually feature the postcards in the magazines so that way you can make your stand out and be more likely to win apparently makes sense yeah i mean if you really do go for it you might end up spending lots of money on the magazines themselves but right, right, right. Like you said, if you have the opportunity, why not try and yeah. try and, and, and like mm. if it's uh you know like my buddy that was into cars or or like the the free newspaper that I get in the post, um yeah I me mean, if there's a magazine or like a, a newspaper that you read anyway, then and they have these kinds of contests, yeah it's a it's a fun little thing to do. 
Yeah, shot. or especially, like you said, if it's a kind of regional thing or like a niche interest, mm-hmm. then even more so, why not just give the contest a shot? Yeah, yeah, your odds are, yeah, they're actually not bad. Yeah. yeah. So our top, top tip from this week's Real Japan podcast, why not enter those surveys? Yep, give it a shot. Yes, sir. The worst that can happen is that they'll just throw your postcard in the bin, which yep. actually is quite likely to happen. But well, but you might win worst something. things could happen. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. But uh, okay, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there then. Been a mm. bit over an hour. Uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, who's still here, and um, if you want to continue the conversation. You can come check us out on our socials, our Twitter and Instagram. Our username is RealJapanGuys. Or you can mail us at mail at thereal.jp. And check out our website at thereal.jp. And find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So on that note, we will see everyone again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.